Lena Haiti is Yorkie female Bruce Willis. Prove me wrong. Prove you wrong, like the guy with coffee and the heart. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, okay. Um, I, there's got to be, can't we just like grassroots gin up some kind of like replacement for that? Because it's a great yeah, I don't know. meme, but, you know, getting promoting Steven Crowder is not not great. No. Um, Back to my original point. I don't think I can prove you wrong. <laughs> which she, just, is... she just has this, th- th- I, th- they, I don't think they have a similar career tra- uh, trajectory, but... They're similar. Now, when she's as old as he is, maybe she will do some of the things that he's doing now, which is basically just sleepwalking through his films and being very uninteresting as a performer, you know? <laughs> but they've both got Let's this thing not. where, um, and this is just based off of, you know, watching two seasons of uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes. <laughs> and I guess a lot of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Although she does it less in Game of Thrones, where somebody will say something and then she has a response that's like, well, I guess you don't have any all the answers then, huh? <laughs> and she kind of turns back to the person and kind of tilts her head and kind of squints her squints eyes, squints a little bit at him, and sets her jaw. <laughs> it's just like I've seen Bruce Willis do that a million times. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes John being a mother is more than just protecting someone. <laughs> she does that little thing. Anyway, I think she's great. Yeah, she is great. Uh, and gosh darn, I wish that that show had lasted longer. Uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about it on like shows that um, we thought were canceled before their time. I think that was one of my picks. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So. And it's it's funny because, you know, I'm on a rewatch of it right now. And it is there's a lot of uh, talent there that would end up in other places. Um, Josh Friedman, of course, has done a lot of stuff. And it was kind of his um, baby. Um, and they took the um, Enterprise in a lot of uh, interesting um, directions um, Tony Graffia was a big uh, was a co-producer and wrote a lot of the stuff and she sure. um, also works on Outlander now and so she's okay. done a lot of like genre TV uh, works with Ronald Moore a lot mm-hmm. um, so yeah I mean it's just like it was kind of it was ahead of its time yeah and um, they made the bold, bold choice to cast Shirley Manson as the yeah, villain I, of season two for some reason I know <laughs> I know not an actress no, no not, not really was not an actress after that show no <laughs> maybe for good reason maybe <laughs> yeah so uh, very striking looking as well, yeah, of course, it served her well. Yeah, so and maybe that's all they were really going for in that role. Yeah, uh, <laughs> someone who's dropped a gorgeous, striking, uh, right, and only wearing twenty five percent of her usual uh, makeup. R- right, exactly. <laughs> we don't want to overdo the eyeliner. Well, Sarah says that anybody who uh, is not wearing two million sunblocks is going to have a real bad day. Yeah, but, uh, she's right. going to be fine. She'll just be standing there. Right, exactly. With her <laughs> clown. Grease paint makeup. I'm yes. Just kidding. I love Shirley Manson. Yes. What's she up to? They're still together, right? Garbage. I we're, think we're, so. we're going all over the shop here. I, I think they are still together. I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. Um, still making bad music. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's only the, how, how many albums are in any band? You know I know. What I mean? <laughs> they. I think they they ran out. Yeah. At some point. They hit hard um, and uh, faded. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Some people felt like. What was it beautiful garbage felt like like that was like too far or like that was that's too not, far not you've gone too far <laughs> butch butch fig uh no but that but was not a very good um album for it's the real band. hit and miss yeah it's real hit and miss. It, it is um and Bleed like yeah me. i yeah i know there was um there was an acquaintance of mine in college it came out when i was in college and like he was like, 
oh man i didn't really did not like that album and it's like kind of like turned him off from the band and like Jeez. like he found out that i bought it and we weren't like, friends when you were in college no oh but um he 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 was like oh i wish he had told me before he bought it i would have just given it to you <laughs> <laughs> uh less beautiful more garbage yeah uh, yeah well we've got a lot of garbage to talk about on this show today the just enough trope podcast i'm your host calvin joined as always by my co-host hi i'm Mikan Hana. and we got a lot to get through so let's get while the getting is pretty pretty good acceptable uh we've got some news to talk about of course yes. um probably the biggest part of that news is talking about the avengers endgame trailer yes which i mean we're not prophets but i think we have said or did say repeatedly that you know the second captain marvel comes out and it's all squared away uh we're gonna get ourselves a trailer and right. we did yeah and this is a, the last trailer because the thing comes out in you know a couple months end of april and uh it yeah. still t- tells us nothing we don't know anything about the movie so <laughs> So, know, but, but save it, save it. More. We'll, we'll talk about it uh, when we talk about the news. Also, we've got a review of the first couple episodes of a new Netflix series. We've mm-hmm. reported on this before on the show, an anthology series called Love, Death, Robots. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. And also we will be uh, talking about in Comic Book Club today, the, what do you even call it? I mean, I guess it's a trade because it's a collection. It's a, it's a graphic we, novel. We say it's one of the graphic novels that really started the graphic novel craze mm-hmm. uh if does anybody say craze anymore i don't even know i, don't I know. just did but uh yeah when you think of like the top tier graphic novels it's definitely there but it was not and was never intended to be a graphic novel what is it it's v for vendetta right that's what we're talking about and then uh, finally um sometimes big mistakes lead to great lakes is that Nothing, I, nothing I, nothing. I don't know if that's uh, a thing or not. They, they can lead to good things. Yes. Uh, I had uh, originally planned to talk to today's guest on the show, Jeremy Stomberg, a.k.a. John Maddening, about Star Trek. Uh, he was going to be on Enterprising Individuals, my Star Trek show, enterprisingindividuals.com, and a little snap, snafu diddly uh, by this deuterino right here uh, led to uh, me not being prepared uh, for that talk and instead, uh, I wasn't worried because I knew uh, that he's a really interesting guy. And we ended up talking about his involvement with first wrestling and uh, primarily with the Minnesota Roller Girls. He's nice. one of the voices of the Minnesota Roller Girls. So we talk about those two things, um, just uh, sort of a grassroots kind of fandom. You know, they're both local uh, sort of do-it-yourself promotions that he's been involved in. Um, his personal uh, nerddom and uh, video games and things like that. We talk about his connection with Convergence as well. Sure. So he uh, is one of the people who helped start Convergence. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I think I've talked to about 75% of those people now. I have sure. a bingo card and I'm just getting every square You're on just it. So here's holes. another one. Yeah. And I had a great talk with Jeremy. Uh, what's going on? How are you doing? What are you reading? I'm doing good. Um <laughs> pretty much the same as last week um uh i'm i'm still reading ms marvel comics and uh 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 reading the the fairyland books um the third one is what i'm reading yeah um uh let's see i don't and I just read V for Vendetta for the first time. Well, so, yeah. Which, so we'll talk about that. But are yeah. you reading anything interesting, Cal? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I am. I finished Scud, okay. and I'm now reading uh, Concrete. You ever heard of Concrete? No. There is um, 
I, oh boy. So there's this guy, Paul Chadwick. He's a writer and illustrator, and he created this character called Concrete, and it was in like the mid to late 80s, I believe. Okay. And it was published by, I don't know, Fantagraphics, or is that a thing? Like just some indie publisher. Okay. And he was kind of one of the first, um, so V for Vendetta, like one of the craze whatever we decided it was right. for graphic novels. Classic graphic novels. He was one of the pillars of sort of independent um, comics at the time. And so, okay. you know, you've got like your Strangers in Paradise or your Bone or, or your Cer- Cerberus or whatever. Sure. Cerebus. I can't believe I did that. Uh, there's Concrete. Um, what is Concrete? I'll tell you. Uh, this guy is probably a lot like Paul Chadwick. He is um, like a writer. He's like a speech writer. And okay. he is abducted by aliens Okay. And his brain is put into a large body that looks like a like if you uh, grinded the edges off the Michelin Man. Oh, okay. Uh, and he basically like now just lives as this guy um, called Concrete, and the government like is kind of worried about the implications of this. Sure. So they have him. They've told the public that he's a cyborg, and he has to basically like live. You know, just lie to people and say he's a cyborg in there. Okay. It's kind of commentary on the media, but their strategy is they're going to oversaturate people with concrete so that they stop asking questions, basically. Kind of like let it hide in, you know, plain sight type thing. So while he maintains this other persona, he's allowed to just live his life. And he's, he's one of his heroes is like Richard Burton. Um, not the actor, the uh, explorer, and he always okay. wanted to explore. So he's wants to live his life as a um, like a hardcore Michael Palin, basically. You know, like he's uses his body to like he can walk underwater and he can climb oh, okay. Mount sure. Everest and he can write all these travelogues. And then it's just basically Chadwick himself. It's semi autobiographical because Chadwick himself is like a real thoughtful kind of spiritual guy and um, travels a lot. And so it's sort of like parallels okay. like you know i'm sure he like there's this uh, i just read an issue where he goes to nepal and tries to climb mount everest and there's a lot of detail in the people and the villages that he goes to and talks okay, to sure. so i'm like well paul chadwick probably went to right. nepal at some point yeah right. that yeah so yeah and it's just really interesting like what happens in it does he shoot guns or fight crime no no it's just a real thoughtful boring <laughs> exactly what you would think of as like an independent comic okay. and I totally passed it by when I was younger also just I didn't have access to it you go to the rack and you see X-Men and Justice League and there, nobody's ordering like uh, concrete you're gonna have to go downtown or something for that you know sure. so I just never read it and I got my hands on some collected editions there's like seven um, books that basically Take all the highlights of like concrete. There's some stuff that's probably not in there, but okay, I see. And so I'm kind of going through that. Yeah, okay, it's, it's interesting. Oh, cool. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's it's really good. Like I said, it's really thoughtful and like there's this one thing he he fields a lot of requests because basically his life is just to be interesting now, and so people write to him and say like, "Hey, come on my show, come on my podcast, okay, we'll talk about Star Trek." Unless I forget, <laughs> uh, but he gets a he gets a letter from a family who who are like. Um, you know, we're a, we're a farm family, we're farmers, and we're having money trouble, and we've got, like, some loans or something. We've got some investments that are going to mature next year, but we might be broke by... by we might not make, uh, make it to next year okay. if we don't get some help. So do you think you could, like, come help us? And so 
he does and he gets involved with his family and their tractors are broke but he can he's got super strength so he can plow the fields <laughs> and then he starts to get to know this family better but he starts to learn that like everything's not really what it seems oh. and there's a lot of like resentment and there's a lot of like secrets and things in the family and so Uh-oh. it's he just kind of it's an anthology kind of he just goes from situation to situation you know like the fugitive you know sure. or a quantum leap or something like that and sure. gets involved in these little dramas in these people's lives that's kind of cool it's yeah. gnome is marvel <laughs> but so far i'm kind of liking it oh good that sounds interesting um very good so yeah um <laughs> I don't know if I've read anything. Turn over, turn over. Come on, baby. I don't know if I've read anything quite like that before. Well, you should try it out. Okay. Let's try the news. Okay. Well, we've got a couple important stories here in no particular order. Um, We'll talk about the Avengers trailer in just a bit, but I thought that it would be important to talk about the Space Avengers. And the fact that James Gunn is returning to Marvel Disney to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. Um, This was kind of surprising news to me, um, especially after Disney made such a big deal out of firing him last uh, summer. I I never thought in a million years that they would rehire him. And uh, I I think you also mentioned they, they did not issue an apology or, or any th- such thing like that, but he not is that I've seen. no. But he is working for them again. That's he, I think that's the deal. We're yeah. not going to apologize, but you can come back. Right. And that we heard I think maybe last week or a week before that they were going to be using the script that Gunn had worked on. Well, yeah, yeah, we know about that. But still, I think it's a big surprise that he is back directing. What do you think? I think that he was, you know. He was, uh, say what you will about his edgy, stupid, you know, tweets. Right. Um, should he lose an entire franchise for this and say what you will about the merits of cancel culture and the way that we can utilize it positively. Mm-hmm. Um, this seems like, you know, he was specifically the target of like right-wing bad actors he was. in this. So, yeah. I don't know. Seems like justice, right? Yeah. My only thing is, is that I do find him a little sexist. Maybe not toxically so, but, right. you know, I, he tells this, maybe this is the only way that Guardians work, but you got this story about this bro dude who is uh, always caught in the, it's like Tony Stark. Is he really going to be responsible? If he, if he was really responsible, he would... Let somebody else be Iron Man, you know, and he would come home to Pepper and he would raise a family and all that. But we don't really want him to do that, right? Right. And so for Guardians of the Galaxy, you have this whole thing where the idea is, is you've got this character like Star-Lord who is really toxically masculine. Yes. And we keep the end of two movies so far has been, I'm going to stop doing that. Everybody's going to love, love me more if I stop doing that. And right. then next movie, we're right back in. Yeah. So, you know, that if that's the only kind of story James Gunn can tell, then thanks for two pretty good ones. Maybe get somebody else. Mm-hmm. Maybe see what somebody else does. Yeah. And now we'll never know. No. We'll never know. No, we'll never know. So, I don't know. I'm happy sad. You happy sad? I'm happy sad about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's, I mean, of course he has, but he's been um, pretty, um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm chill? looking for? Chill. Chill. <laughs> yeah, he's so chill. Uh, uh, he's, he's come back, you know, on his knees. 
Yeah. Still, it's not like yeah. he's uh, spiking the football or anything. He's being real like, this is a great opportunity. You know, thanks. Thanks again. Sorry for this. Sorry for that. So. Right. Right. And I mean, I do think it was, it was definitely like right wing trolls who like helped get him fired in the first place. Um, and I mean, no, he shouldn't have said those things, but how many years ago were they? And, you know, and we take into account like the type of person that somebody was like, okay, th- he's not Jean Valjean. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, he's just a guy who makes, <laughs> who worked for uh trauma or whatever, who, Oh boy, what a bastion of female representation that is. So, you know what I mean? Just consider the source. Yeah, And, you know, I'm sure we'll see in his next gum-snapping video. Right. You know, with his 25-year-old model actress girlfriend. Right. uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about where we're going to go. It's all money. What what kills me, I know that you're, I think you're surprised that, like, I can't believe that the mouse would put its its, uh, big round yellow shoe down (laughs) and then pull it back up again. Yes. I can't believe that they couldn't find anybody else to crack it like they've got his script they've got the actors are all on contract so it doesn't matter what dave batista says i mean he's probably has to come back no matter what right maybe disney was just you know first of all taika waititi said no and we'll i'll tell you why in a little bit okay and then also so they couldn't get anybody else to crack it in that exact way that they wanted this is going to be a big thing going forward Mm -hmm. they just had captain marvel come out which i think Oh, by the way, uh, it's up to 760 million uh, worldwide. Oh, wow. So this is okay. another Black Panther, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people are like, oh, it could have been a little better movie. The movie's all right. This is yeah. great. Right. And so that, um, Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Eternals, the whole cosmic side is so important for the next cycle of whatever it is they want to do. Yeah. And if they can't nail it, they're screwed. Yeah. And so let's bring the guy back that can nail it. Right. And I think they also weighed having the next round of interviews for the press tour for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, having everybody's interview start off with, well, you know, we were sad, but we're glad now that Kenneth Branagh or whoever, you know. Right. Why not just skip all that, bring James Gunn back, and right. then it'll just be focused on the product and right. not the drama. No. Yeah. My thing is, we didn't have the foresight to see that you were going to have to do this and look dumb. Uh, yeah, later I know. On. I know. It's dumb. <laughs> Don't be dumb. Yeah. James Gunn, everybody. Don't Mickey Mouse. Dumb. Yeah. Dave Batista. Yeah. Nobody be dumb. So anyway, now he's doing Suicide Squad and this. So I know. He's playing both sides. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on. More Disney news. Uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger has said that Fox Films will still be made. Under the Fox name. They're going to keep the brand. Ever or? Well, for now, it looks like. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fox and Fox Searchlight will continue. And also FX will remain FX. Okay. So they're just going to sock puppet this thing, I guess. I guess. <laughs> it's kind of a weird choice, but all right. Does that mean Sweet D is a Disney princess? That's what I need to know. I don't even know who Sweet D is. From, from It's Always Sunny. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, any other uh, Marvel movie news? Doesn't look like it. Uh, I got a little DC movie news, though. Okay. No, it looks like Ezra Miller is working with Grant Morrison on a new Flash movie script. Is he's, he's helping to write it? Yes. Okay. He needs this to get done before he's 35 
and is too old to play well, a young Barry Allen. Yeah, I guess. I just <laughs> this is, remember this. He shot those like, you gotta the key. He shot those scenes five years ago. Yeah, I know. Like this is, <laughs> he's got a longer tenure playing this than Peter Capaldi played the Doctor. At yeah, this point. you're like, right. He's been the Flash forever. Yeah. With no film. Yeah. To show for it. This is true. So I guess I can understand why he would want to step up and help write it, but it seems unusual at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, it's reportedly going to be a darker take. Why? <laughs> I know! Didn't we just <laughs> learn from Aquaman that's not the way to go? And, and it's the Flash! Although, you know... Uh, so it's uh, Grant Morrison, yeah, uh, because Grant Morrison is really trying to get into the screenwriting side now. I think, um, okay, with like Happy and everything. Um, oh. Okay, well, I mean, you don't have to love Happy, but it's I don't. Grant Morrison. It's okay. All right, all right, all right. Ooh, he's off. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I trust Grant Morrison to do something interesting with Flash. There's definitely Flash has gotten darker. You know, in the past couple of years, thanks to Jeff Johns and my dad killed my mom and right. um, I'm going to rip somebody's head off and right. drink their blood real fast or whatever. Like, oh. it's, you know, it's gotten that way. Yeah. I, I lied. I do have some Marvel movie news. Uh, it's been announced that the Shang-Chi movie is going forward and they just got a director. The director is Destin Daniel Cretton. Okay. What else has he directed? Uh, he has directed uh, some films um, like Short Term 12, which is a movie that I uh, often kick around on this show. Okay. <laughs> also, uh, The Glass Castle. Uh, and that's about it. He hasn't directed a ton of movies. Um, the Glass Castle, that's based on a memoir, right? Yes. And it, uh, both okay. of those films that I named star Brie Larson. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. I didn't like Short Term 12. Oh, you did not? No, um, but people talk about it as like being really great. It's it's funny because it reminds me a lot of uh, Half Nelson, which Bowden and Fleck right. uh, wrote and directed, and they did Captain Marvel. And so Marvel is, they're committed to this. Yes, they will bring back people who do Facebook Live videos. Yeah. But they're still continuing their practice of like chicken hawking, like, young directors who have had like one kind yeah. of indie smash under their belt and then right you're mine now right so that's what's going on here he is uh asian american i should point out okay well that's probably for the best yeah. um okay um i don't know much about shang chi uh i think he said martial arts that's about it yep he's bruce okay. lee basically okay he's bruce lee and technically he is like the grandson of Fu Manchu or something like that. Okay. Like he's c connected to, to the sex rumor character right. Fu Manchu, who is a problematic character. Yes. Now, there's been all kinds of like attempts to sort of, you know, we can't really modernize it. He's literally, you know, an opium <laughs> lord. <laughs> right. Hong Kong, uh, uh, Imperial Hong Kong. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a take it, take it back at, kind of element to it yes. you know what I mean like yeah. Bruce Lee made all those chop sake films where you know Asian actors would play any old nationality that was required right. and so right. I mean if he doesn't care if they don't care then I guess it's fine I guess so I think that they're and plus he's kind of like a jet setting kind of there's a there's a spy kind of element to his thing okay. um, it just kind of folded a lot of like 70s chop sake stuff and like 
uh, black exploitation, and you know, it's like a Luke Cage Shang Chi like meetup would be like real awesome. Okay, you know, sure. You've got like the Shaft side, and then you've got like the Enter the Dragon side. Sure, I can see it. Those movies are like fifty, more than fifty years old at this point. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's really. Hard to believe. Yeah, it'd be like in in the middle of the eighties. You're like, oh, that Charlie Chaplin, fresher than ever. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Uh, what else is going on? All right, so I'll, I'll tell you my uh, Taika Waititi news. Yeah, uh, Taika Waititi is actually adapting Time Bandits for TV. Oh, I think I'd heard that somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Why did he decide to go with Time Bandits? Probably because he loves Time Bandits. I guess. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Um, should this be done <laughs> at all? Period. I don't know. I remember seeing Time Bandits and thinking it was okay. I, <laughs> maybe that's a little harsh. All right. Um, but I didn't think it was super great. But then again, maybe I just didn't see it at a really influential age. So um, I don't know that it needs to be done. Um, what do you What do you think? I don't think it needs to be done. Okay. And what's the new take on Time Bandits? I don't know if there is one. No. And like Terry Gilliam even like walked away from a sequel to the film. Kay. Mostly because um, Christopher, the wizard. The, the guy, wizard? The, the, that actor. Yeah. The little person actor killed himself. Oh. Uh, and then, you know, he was a big part of the first one. And yeah. Gilliam wanted to make the sequel like, you know, center around his character. And then he was like, oh, well, I'm, well let's just quit. Okay. So yeah, that makes it anyway, difficult. Yeah, and this is going to be for Apple TV, of course. Oh boy, I don't know how I feel about Apple TV. <laughs> we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I know. I, I suppose that's true. So yeah, I don't. I don't know how to feel either. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? We talked about American Gods last week. Uh, it looks like American Gods will be getting a third season. No, oh, okay. And they have brought on uh, Charles Eglie to be the showrunner. Who is that? He has worked previously for Hemlock Grove and The Walking Dead. So two oh, okay. top top notch shows. Or genre to take shows. The load off of Neil, Neil Gaiman's, Gaiman's skinny, skinny shoulders. pale shoulders. Yeah. Leather jacketed shoulders. Yes. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, I guess Neil Gaiman needs some help, so <laughs> I'm still liking the second season. Yeah, I'm gods. liking it too. Yeah. So um, what else? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. You don't want to hear about a new Dungeons and Dragons movie, do you? Why wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, Paramount has been working on a new Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, it's tentatively set for uh, July of 2021 release date. Oh, wow. And we okay. don't know anything else, but we know that they are looking to land somebody, um, like some top talent. Uh, Jeremy Irons, perhaps. Or Jeremy's Iron. <laughs> uh, no, I think they're thinking of like a Joe Mangianello, a Vin Diesel, a... Oh, okay, um, sure. Does Karen it, Page. Doesn't Vin Diesel like actually play Dungeons & Dragons? That's, you've got it. Yeah. That guy with the leather bracelets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't even know his name. Um. Yeah, okay. Well, let's see if they can actually do this well, I guess is the question. Well, you know the story of the making of that Dungeons & Dragons movie, right? Um. 
I don't know if I know the story. Well, I guess you'll have to go back and listen to our show about it. Okay. In our backlog. Right. But it has a long tortured path yes. to the screen, and there's a reason that it is as bad as it is. Yes. Uh, what else? Oh, speaking of Apple, uh, Apple is going to have a uh, uh, an announcement event on the 25th, uh, which is this week, late this week, and they're expected to give more details about their TV service at that point. Okay, sure. They love doing these big announcements yeah, with like. Different technologies and stuff like that. Now they got TV to announce too. So why not smush that in there? So dramatic. Yeah. Apple, more like poisoned apple, like evil queen (laughs) in Snow White. Yes. Um, What? Uh, Let's talk about the Avengers Endgame trailer. Let's. I almost cried uh, when I saw it. Almost? Yeah. Poser. Uh, I'm not a poser. I was balling. Okay. All right. Calm down. I was watching um, into my car and I almost drowned. The car filled up with tears. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I mean, they definitely are going for an emotional reaction because they show clips from a lot of the earlier it's films. It's primarily clips from earlier films. Yeah, I mean like Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Um, and we see a little bit more of the action. It starts out and Tony's talking to Pepper. I'm presuming. Um. But we do get the shot of like a bunch of the Avengers in these like kind of like spacesuits, yeah. And um, we don't only just see the ones that are on Earth. We see Tony and Nebula as well. Yes. So I think that's the the biggest reveal from this particular trip. Nobody really thought Tony was going to die in space, did they? No, I don't think people did. But I think that people were upset that they gave it away in the trailer. The fact that they've given anything away is amazing. Yeah. What do you make of, I mean, if you are a, a dad and you're a Hawkeye, you're going to teach your kids to shoot an arrow, right? Probably. So there's, I shouldn't be thinking that that's Kate Bishop, the younger girl that we see him teaching to shoot arrows. Unless, unless Kate Bishop is his daughter. Where's the Young Avengers movie? Maybe it yeah, felt cheesy know. to do Young Avengers. Comics have no shame. They'll just no. do whatever. Right. But in movies like Young Avengers, really? Yeah. Like Avengers Babies? Right. Um, <laughs> but at this point, we've got Cassie Lang exists in this universe. Yeah. Uh, we know that a lot of people think that Catherine Langford is is um, going to be Kate Bishop because 13 Reasons Why Girl is in this movie and we still have right. no clue who she's supposed to be. Right. And then also Ty Sheridan, not Ty Sheridan, Ty... Yeah. Flip flop, uh, the kid who played the kid in Iron Man three, yes, which is two thousand eleven. Anyway, that movie's old now too. Yeah, that kid is tall. He's like a you know young man. Yeah, and he's supposedly in this film as well. And people right. think that he might be Iron Lad. So we're like halfway to a Young Avengers at this. Yeah, point. we are. I don't know if they're going to be helping out. Vision or? is gone yes and maybe he and the whole thing is like oh people who died before the snap won't come back and so vision right but if you took part of his core or, or that little piece that shuri saved right to get into thing you've got young vision right sure sure i could see that so all we're missing is uh patriot and well it depends on what lineup you're looking at right yeah no i mean i it could it's totally doable um no no enthusiasm from you. Um, I I haven't really read that much Young Avengers, so I don't really have that much enthusiasm. Yes, but okay. Um, how about you? I mean, are you excited about that idea? 
I just gave it to you. Yeah, well, I know you I did. I just said it. I know you did. Yeah. Okay. I am. Um, what else did you uh, like or not like about the trailer? Um, we got to see a little bit more of Captain Marvel, but I kind of would have liked to have seen her actually do something. They actually shot that scene yeah. before they shot, I think, the entirety of the Captain Marvel movie. Okay. So <clears throat> they don't want to reveal too much. Right. And also, they may or may not have like had a real good idea about... What the Captain Marvel yeah. movie was going to look like. Well, it just seems so like... Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's like, she's in it, guys. Look. Yeah. Here's a good one. I like this one. I wish she'd smile more. Like, that's... They probably should have uh, said that, right? No. Uh, yeah, it's uh, affecting. It's emotional. I liked uh, Rocket uh, hanging off of War Machine. Yeah. I also like it looks like that they've given Rocket his um, comics uh, costume, like with the scarf and everything. And, oh, okay. You know, and the button-up uh, plast- uh, plastron or whatever you call it. Sure. So, that looks cool. Um, I think people are speculating that I think more than a, a while is going to take uh, take place uh, after the snap before things get changed or affected. Yeah. And we see about 14 different hairstyles on Widow over the course of it. Yeah, but, we do. But you, we see that her hair is like growing out. It's like two-toned, you know, mm-hmm. her, her roots are red and yes. the ends are blonde. And I don't know how long a lady's hair takes to grow, but it seems a like while. that's about a year, year or two. Yeah. So yeah. time is passing and um, yeah. I know. It's going to be a long movie. It's going to be a very long movie, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. And this this trailer made me look forward to it even more. Yeah. There's some, I've heard some semi-spoilery things. Um, so maybe this is a la-la-la for a couple minutes okay. uh, if you don't want to hear this. But somebody uh, was in a um, uh, Disney shareholders meeting uh, where they showed like a scene. And it was basically the scene where Carol meets the Avengers and they're like, uh, well, where, where were you when all this was going on? She's like, well, you know, Earth's got an Avengers. A lot of other planets don't have an Avengers, so sure. I've been off doing that kind of stuff. And they find out that they can, Nebula can detect the energy of the Tesseract or of, of whatever, and so they find out, like, what planet Thanos has been on, and so that's when they, like, saddle up and, and okay. go, go to confront him. Okay. Um, but that doesn't, I'm assuming that that's early on, you know, that's, like, first... Yeah. First, second act. Right. So as far as whether that involves the time travel or how that works, I don't know. We can, I, I mean, we can speculate on what the storyline of the film is. And I know. Have. I kind of wonder, like, if they're going to go visit Thanos and he's going to be like, what? Leave me alone. And like. Well, he'll not, definitely be like that. And and like he, he won't want to fight. And so then they, they won't have a choice. They'll have to go find another route. Well, yeah. And even if they fight him, I think it'll be that, you know, the gauntlet is broke. Yes. So there's nothing. He could not undo it if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. But I think that the... um, They did this thing in the comics in Hickman's run where the Avengers were trying to use the uh, Infinity Gems to stop Earths from colliding. Are you ready to go? (laughs) Um, And they did it, but they did it wrong and all the gems like blew up except for the time gem which disappeared. Okay. And it showed up later and took Cap on this ride like through future sort of versions of the Avengers. So I'm thinking like maybe the time stone will be still intact or they'll get that or something and they'll right. be able to use its energies to make their little time travel watches or whatever. Okay. Yeah. That's All what right. I'm guessing. All right. That sounds like a good idea. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
You got you got your love. Yes. You got your death. Yep. You got your robots. Yes. Two things robots famously can't do. Love, death, love and, and robots. Die. Yeah, I know. Let's <laughs> talk about love, death, and robots. A new sci-fi anthology show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I should say, is produced by David Fincher. Oh, I guess that makes sense. It's kind of dark and gritty. And Tim Miller. We've heard about this before. I just didn't realize that's what this was. Yes. Okay. And before it was what we were talking about before, it was something else. They have wanted to uh, collaborate on a reboot of Heavy Metal for a long time. Heavy Metal, of course, the anthology uh, sci-fi fantasy comic. Right. um, With adult material uh, for a long time. Um, And it kind of evolved into Love, Death, and Robots. Okay. And there are many contributors to this. Uh, names like John Scalzi, uh, oh. Alistair Reynolds, Ken Liu, Marco Clues, um, a lot of, uh, you know, Plotting Griggs, uh, sci-fi, sci-fi authors. authors. Yeah. yeah. Whose works, and I had to dig for this, It's I don't think it's on the tin, but whose works were mainly adapted by a guy named Philip Galat. Okay. Who was, he's a writer slash director. Um, Europa Report's probably the most famous thing that he has done, or at least the most uh, okay. lauded thing that he has done. Sure. What do you think of Love, Death, and Robots? Uh, well, I only saw the first two episodes. Yeah, I watched the first two. Um, well. And uh, I I thought it was interesting. Um, it, it is definitely an anthology series because uh, they're, they're very different from each other. Um, and uh, the first one was like really dark and gritty um, and uh, was about... Like, this trainer who, like, connects with, I don't know if it's necessarily a robot or it's, like, a robot monster. It's R-rated Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, it's like pit fights in a... It's Pokemon. In a dirty, grim, dark, dark, grim, dark cyber future. But you have, like, some mental connection right. with, you with have your creature. beastie monsters. It's called beastie fights or something like that. Yeah. And you're sort of mentally, you know, connected to them or whatever. So, yeah, it's about yeah. like a woman who controls this giant monster and her yes. team. And, yeah. And this wealthy guy comes up to her before the fight and says he wants her to throw the fight. And she says, no way. Right. They, they both, they all are like, go screw yourself. <laughs> and they more or less say that to him. Um, right. And then we go to the fight. And we we'll uh, have to tell the whole thing. Oh, okay. Wanna, <coughs> All right. Watch it. Yeah, watch it. Um, <coughs> but then, like, after the fight. Okay, so you're just gonna. Well, you're unstoppable. <laughs> well, I just. <laughs> Mika's edge. I, I guess I was really. She just has to tell the whole thing. Well, maybe I don't have to tell the whole thing. Don't maybe tell I, the whole thing. I won't. Uh, that uh, there's kind of a twist towards the end of the the episode which i was not expecting or yeah don't well, yeah well don't don't tell the twist i won't uh that's the first one and the second one is called three robots uh, and it's more or less title. about three robots and it is uh following three different um robots as they sort of tour this city uh which we come to find out is you know it's post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. quote unquote right uh, and they are just looking at trying to determine the sort of vagaries and foibles of uh, extinct human. humanity and, mm-hmm. and what's what's going on with it yeah um you know what 
we do have to talk spoilers, I think, in order oh. to talk about these um, both completely. Oh, but, okay. Um, yeah. So we will. So spoiler flag is on at this point for the rest of this segment about love, death, and robots. Okay. Not a lot of love. A lot of death. Yes. Some, some robots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you, did I ask you what you thought? Did you tell me what you thought? Because I think, yeah. What'd you think? Um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you said that before. They're, they're definitely very different stories. Um, yeah, let, but me, let me get us started off. Okay. I hated it. Really? I think they're garbage. Oh, okay. Uh, I think that they're fairly well animated. Um, mm-hmm. That was probably the probably the coolest thing about the Sunny's Edge one, like the look for the most yes. part. Yes. I think they are macho bullshit. I think they are terribly written. And I, let's just start off. Why, I, lead with this one because it's got boobs in it and it's got blood in it, right? Yeah. That's why they picked it. But it's mm-hmm. like right away you have turned me off. You have a uh, man-hating lesbian character who was brutally raped, and yes. that is her motivation for fighting and winning. Yes. It's every single... Nice work, Philip Gillette. You, you hit every cliche on the bingo board yeah. as far as like, That's ooh, true. this is gritty. Oh, this is up there. And don't get me wrong. like If you go back to heavy metal, you're going to see a lot of that stuff. There's some good stuff in heavy metal. There's some Mobius stuff or something. But a lot of it is like, this lady's cyber boobs are looking for its target. Mm-hmm. And... And that's just, that's exactly what we've got going on here in this first one. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, who cares? Like, also, I guess the twist, like, none of it surprised me. Okay. It's very predictable. And then you get to three robots, and it's like, wow, let's just do 11 minutes of, like, not funny jokes about humanity, and we don't, they're all just these archetypes one of them's like i've got an urban voice it's like that's that's great right, let's make that right. one play basketball right and i don't think that you even like got that that might be might be a thing or a problem i i and then I got the twist that. is not you i just mean like oh, the writer okay I see. and then the twist is that oh um cats talk and they're and, they took and over. they're voiced by um chris parnell yes and what does that have to do with anything that's not even really all that funny no Somehow they it's, helped. It's just, it's it's garbage. It's garbage. There's 18 of these things. There's no way I'm watching all of them. Forget it. Yeah. I will look at, I'll, Screen Rant will have a top five best uh, ones. And so maybe, I don't know, what will have an update for me later when I see the the good ones. But like, the John Scalzi one was the three robots. And oh. It's, it's garbage. <laughs> it's just not, it's not funny. It's it's okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you're being diplomatic. Um. I guess it's, I mean, it's not like the, the best thing I've seen ever. And, uh, um, I, I kind of liked the, the triangular robot that was like the woman's voice. Right. And, Cause like, she, she got was... all the punchlines. They gave yeah. her all the punchlines. Yeah. Such as they were. Yeah. Um, I thought that was funny. Um, the one kind of urban robot, what they were talking about, whether he was like an ancestor of the Xbox it was just kind of like. Okay. But it was an X-Bot. Like, it yes. wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a brand Xbox. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the cat thing was like, so did the cats kill the humans? Did the cats, like, Who take knows? over? Who cares? Yeah. I doubt they thought it through. Yeah. It was just another. John Scalzi. <laughs> it was just another, like, punchline at the Sorry, end. Scalzi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I could see him um, writing something like this. I don't know if it's a short story or something like that, but. Uh, yeah, I just was just very disappointed. It's like the worst. Like when we saw 
Electric Dreams. Uh, just to say, I'm glad that sci-fi anthology is coming back. I mean, we've got the yes. Twilight Zone, yeah. for crap's sake, in a couple weeks. Yes. Which we'll have a review of. Um, so I'm glad that it exists. And I guess I'm glad that it's got a 70, low 70s reception on uh, Rotten bad. Tomatoes. So mm-hmm. not great, but not bad. But it's just... It's so juvenile. And we said this like six months ago when we this was announced, that this is just going to be, oh, it's so dark. It's so grand and dark. What if the president has sex with a pig? It's just going to be the animated version of the worst Black Mirror episodes yeah. that you can think of. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we got. Yeah. Um, you're right. And I mean, the first one definitely goes for, you know, just... Like, what What do guys want to see in animation? Like, I mean, it is a little They want to pandering. see somebody with Wolverine claws. Yeah, I guess. That's kind of a ripoff. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways. I was very unimpressed. Yeah. It was, uh, it was not great. Will you keep watching it? Uh, maybe like you. Think of all I the will... boobs there are for you to see <laughs> with blood on them. Uh, maybe like you, I will watch the best the best ones and then just take it from there yeah i'm kind of interested in the um the ken liu, liu one okay. um that's or the marco clues one as well which and then th- there's a couple different uh, animation studios that have made all these okay sure and um sony did the um marco clues one so that's i, I don't know i'll probably watch that okay sure this is just the this is the next thing that I'm gonna have to like hear everybody talk about yeah. for the next six months right. until it is so ephemeral like everybody will forget it yeah uh, right but it, like like altered carbon you know it's like oh altered carbon so oh, altered carbon so great it's like it's it's really not like no. I read all the books and they weren't great but but they were better than the show yeah I mean if you could capture the sort of pulpy likeness of the books but you you know it's just a guy playing. Edgar Allan Poe or something. Yep. It's just dumb. Yep. Yeah, okay. So uh, <laughs> that's a uh, from you and a no from me. <laughs> but if you want to know more, it's out there on Netflix, available now, Love, Death, and Robots. Remember, remember to do this in November. Why are we doing this in March? Oh. <laughs> remember, um, remember that St. Patrick drove all the snakes out of Ireland. Right. Exactly. <laughs> doing this on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, we are. Oh, that's something else because we really only see like, you know, England, like London in this thing. That's true. But like, what's Ireland like? Are they just like, keep that shit away from us? Yeah. Probably. I wonder how Ireland's doing. Do yeah. they mention them at all? I can't I even don't remember. I think they do. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just, you know, the, their long history of like. Of like terrorists. Being part of, yeah, you know, yeah, the uh, UK or not part of the UK and, like, right. and British rule and all that. And like, I just imagine if something like this happened, they'd just be like, I mean, we're kind of racist too, but keep that shit away from us. Right. I'm just going to do our own thing. Right. Uh, we're talking about V for Vendetta, of course. The yes. Trade anthology, ongoing story series thing yes. uh, by David Lloyd and Alan Moore, mm-hmm. uh, artist and writer, respectively. Yes. It originally appeared in Warrior, which, if you know anything about comics or you read some of these old comics, you know that Warrior was a 
anthology magazine itself. Mm-hmm. It's published by Des Skin, who's often known as the um, British Stan Lee. Okay. Did a lot for British comics. Okay. And it featured uh, things like Miracle Man, uh, which was Marvel Man, of course, at that time. And uh, Johnny Pressbutton or whatever his name is. And there's, I don't know, there's probably some dr- some dread in there, you know, sure. like, uh, or 2000 AD. Um, and this is where this originally appeared. It was sort of, you know, in eight page sort of um, sections of this yeah. anthology book. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, the least popular. Nobody liked it <laughs> when oh, it was really? first coming out. Yeah. Now, it came out over a long period of time because Warrior was only published from like 82 to like 85. And so when Warrior folded in 85, um, I think by this time there was a lot of um, affection for it. Okay, and it was sure. shopped around and eventually they landed it at DC uh, for their new, you know, burgeoning Vertigo imprint. Sure. And so it finished its time at DC. And of course it's been endlessly reprinted and reprinted um, since then and never never gone out of print. Right. Uh, what happens in V for Vendetta? Um... Well, um, a lot, a lot, yeah. Uh, there's this character named Just V. Um, he's kind of the the titular character, the the main character of the book. Um, it's his vendetta. Yes, uh, and he wears a Guy Fox mask, a cape, and uh, a hat, and that's pretty much it. You like never see his face. Right. Um, and uh, he's got Hugo Weaving's voice. Does he? No, I, I don't know. Um, and uh, it this happens very early on. There's this character called Evie Hammond, and uh, she's this young girl. She's very, she's like 16, very naive, and she's going out to try to get somebody to sleep with her because um, she needs money, uh, and she ask somebody who's like an undercover cop and he's like oh you're in big trouble now but like they like are like not just going to arrest her they're going they're like going to rape her oh it's a love death and robots yeah i know (laughs) so um v actually somehow sees this and he intervenes and kills some of the guys and beats the other guys up and he takes evie back to his house First four pages down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but she doesn't really know where his house is. Like he blindfolds her or something like that. Right. Um, and she st- she ends up staying with him for for a long time. Right. Um, and uh, there are all these crimes that are going on in London, and they realize that V is the one who is committing these crimes, and they're crimes. trying they're trying to figure out like who this mystery man is and what his deal is. Right. Um, they, in this case, is Norsefire. And I learned a new word uh, reading up on this. Yeah. The Christo-fascistic empire that has taken Whoa. over uh, Britain in the wake of World War Three. Right. Which was, it's a little, it's not really gone into in detail, but there's a spot of bother, you know, in the... Um, in the in the east and that led to america and russia fighting it out britain however and we'll, we'll talk about this in a second but britain stayed out of it and therefore um was not you know irradiated and so it is livable but of course everything is depressed um there's a lack of food and shortages and things like that mm-hmm. and so this fascistic uh 
government has risen to power Mm -hmm. um, on a platform of stop me if you've heard this one. Uh, Foreigners are bad. Homosexuals are bad. Right. Uh, Yeah. Um, So. What a what a time to yes. to read this. And but anyway, I know. And, and so then, V is fighting against that. And, and, and then the leader of this group is simply called the leader. Yes. And then they have other areas that are called what the 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 mouth, the finger, the, the eyes, eye, the nose, the finger, the yeah. nose. Yes. And like they've got various government people working in these uh, factions. It sure do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, just a little background on it. Remember, this was early 80s, pre-Thatcher England. Mm-hmm. And specifically in some of the afterwards or whatever, like Moore talks about how this was for them just a, a, a spooky, a boogeyman story, basically. Sure. You know, they... They were, he was convinced at that time that labor was going to win you yep. know, in the elections of 82, sweep all this conservative nonsense out. We were going to denuclearize and it was going to be a, you know, a, a period of reform for Britain. Clearly, that did not happen. No. The exact opposite happened. Yep. Thatcher and her government were in power and we basically got you know just the same thing that was happening in America as well. Just, mm-hmm. you know, marginalizing of homosexuals, uh, trickle down economics. Yep. We got the eighties Yeah. <laughs> and Britain had a chance to not have the eighties in the eighties and they had the eighties in the eighties. Yes. And so it looked a lot more real and plausible than, and scary than Moore had even intended at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I think is significant about V as a character is that remember his, he's not fighting for democracy He's not fighting for the opposite for, you know, he, he's not like a, a labor guy or something right. like that. He's specifically fighting for anarchy. Right. Um, which is, you know, he talks and he makes the distinction in the book as well that anarchy is, you know, lawlessness and chaos, which is what we need to get the government to the state of anarchy, which is self-rule, basically, mm-hmm. where people are allowed to do whatever they want. Right. Not in a harmful way, but right. just, you know, you can express and do whatever you want and nothing is verboten, right. which is the complete opposite of this Christo-fascistic uh, yes. government that currently is uh, in charge. Mm-hmm. Norse fire. That's just a chilling. Yeah. But I mean, if you told me tomorrow that like Ben Shapiro was telling everybody they should check out this great new Norse fire thing, I would absolutely believe you. Right. <laughs> that it was real. Right. Oh. Yeah. It is a dark, scary tale. Yeah. What do you, why would you describe V? Um, because we, as you said, famously do not know anything about him. And I think we can nominally call him him, although there is yes. some doubt there. Yeah. Um, and of course, by the end of the book, uh, V is not a him anymore. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're spoiling everything, but yeah. that's fine. Um. Well, I think we know by the end of the book that uh, he was in a government concentration camp. Right. And he, uh, there were experiments done on him. Yeah. Um, which is maybe partially why he is the way he is. And he was in room five. Room number five, Roman numerals, right. is V. Right. Um, 
And but, yeah, but Moore didn't do a bunch of five puns for every no. title. Every every title, every with chapter a v. starts with V. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's I just another little connection that he made. Yes. But yeah, I mean, we're talking about V here. Yes. <laughs> um, I think he can be very sensitive and caring. Like he, while he's in the concentration camp, start a garden. Yeah. Um, well, and <laughs> to get yeah. his hands on fertilizer. Yeah, so he could blow I know. It up. I know. Um, but he, in his, in his home, the shadow gallery, they call it, um, he does have a rose garden. Now they kind of end up symbolizing death. So it's not really something sweet and innocent, right? uh, because he leaves a couple with, uh, some of his victims, right? Um, and his victims are, we come to learn yes. over the course of the story, as does Inspector Finch, who's probably like our one good-ish guy in the organization it's really here. hard to tell. Yeah, but he is a head investigator for The Nose, which is like the cops, basically, just like the police. Right. And so he's trying to, he's tasked with finding this maniac who is killing people and blowing up. He Buildings. blows up the Houses of Parliament. He blows yeah. up the Old Bailey. He blows up all these like landmarks of, he of blows British. Up Big Ben at one point. Yeah, right. And so he's tasked with finding this guy, and he starts to realize that the people that he's killing aren't random. I mean, they are importantly placed in the government, but they're all people who worked at, at this, this concentration camp. camp. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, see, I, I ask because I've tried to figure it out myself. I, I mean, I guess you just get a general idea of who he is. He, he's not somebody named in the story and it's not like that but if he's in this concentration camp he must be marginalized a marginalized person right and when v dies evie sort of fantasizes about taking his mask off which she doesn't do ultimately and she sees you know a couple different people or Mm -hmm. possibilities yeah and she sees that maybe he's a you know black black british person so it could be that you know, she fantasizes that he's her father, right? Uh, which would mean that her father was a socialist and kind of a political dissident, which is why he got taken away. And so, like, you know, what is it? I mean, we can be relatively certain that he is a man, like we said before. But mm-hmm. like, what do you think he is? Is he was he homos homosexual? Is he uh, a gypsy or something like that? Like, I don't know. That's uh, a good question. We absolutely don't need to know, and that's kind of part no. of the point. But yeah. just, I, I think it's fun to speculate. Um. I don't know if he was a homosexual. I mean, we do have a another character whose name starts with a V who is a homosexual in this book. Uh, yeah. Valerie. You don't have to be coy. Yeah. Talk about it. Um, and uh, sh- we find out later from V that she was actually prisoner number four. Yeah. Uh, in the concentration camp. And she, she died when she was there. Um, I don't know. Is it good? Kind of an interesting question to wonder, like, is he homosexual or is he another? um, I mean, it's a real forest for trees situation. It is because, like you said, he most likely was marginalized in one way or another. And I wonder, you know, what was his his sanity before he was in this concentration camp? Like, was he was he pretty sane before? And do you think that he is insane? He's insane in the way, I'll just answer my own question, yeah. that, um, like, the Joker, do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. he's, he's basically, like, a Joker-type figure. Like, he's got a plan for everything. He's, you know, he's erudite. He's clearly, like, you know, a genius-level intellect. But, of course, he's 
using it to like kill and blow up things and mm-hmm. um so apparently more um based him on an idea that he had for a hero um earlier that never got uh, published okay which was a um a, a terrorist type figure like v that was fighting against a totalitarian state yeah i think i read about and that, that character was a transsexual okay um so i'm just thought like that could right. be maybe the unspoken sort of origin of V, but of course yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Well, and, it, and then we don't really get any major clues throughout the story. No, not really. No, no, and and Evie is kind of ridiculed for her interest in it as well. So yeah, as Lloyd, like, I guess it's like I understand like, <laughs> but it's like he Fee tells just Finch wants to be mysterious when they fight. You know, it's you, I'm an I'm an idea. You know, ideas are bulletproof. You can't, you know, you oh, can't kill true. shoot and kill me. Right. Um. As uh, they were developing this, Lloyd and Moore, um, Skin also worked with them as well, and um, he suggested um, some things that should they should draw from mm-hmm. uh, for inspiration. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, Orwell, Huxley, Thomas Dish, Judge Dredd, Harlan Ellison's Repent Harlequins of the TikTok Man. There's a lot of that in this. Uh, Catman and the Prowler in the City of the Edge of the World, Vincent Price's Dr. Fives and Theater of Blood, David Bowie, The Shadow, Night Raven. Uh, that's an earlier character by David Lloyd. Uh, Batman, Fahrenheit 451, the Writings of the New World School of Science Fiction, Max Ernst's painting Europe After the Rain, Thomas Pynchon, The Atmosphere of British Second World War Films, The Prisoner, Robin Hood, and Dick Turpin. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, yeah. this, this list of influences. <laughs> it's like, and You can see huh, that. Yeah, that's all there. Yeah. <laughs> or you... is it that they are, this is just another... Uh, anti-hero fiction well, in the tradition that all of the like if you're going to say all right harlan ellison what's uh, repent harlequin going to be about mm, orwell huxley thomas tish right yeah. right are they the going to say the same links yeah. same list well i mean judge dread like in the comics he never takes his helmet off yeah, that's right so that kind of reminds me of that uh fahrenheit 451 at one point evie mentions that he had read it to her it almost sounds like it's like it was like a bedtime story or something like that which right. is kind of weird um that also features a <laughs> talking about the story here not the amazing michael b jordan hbo show yeah um that also features a um a somewhat fascistic uh world but it, it's, it's a, there's a loss of knowledge. There's a brain drain going on in this world. You know, people are forgetting about literature. They're forgetting about all these things. Um, sure. That V prizes. Yes, he has a lot of books and movies and music. And the people at his who home. live in the Britain of of V for Vendetta watch these horrible. Um, I mean, actually, honestly, if you just watched TV in 1983 in yeah. Britain, it'd probably be the same thing. But it's like these horrible, empty dramas. sitcoms and like um, and sci-fi dramas, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, like the oh, uh, these are my knockers. Huh? Oh, my yeah, knockers. right. Jeez, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, minister, it ain't <laughs> right. So yeah, that's the sort of um, c- contrast. You know, it's a it's a culture war as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and Evie's dumb. <laughs> she's, she's she's very not, nice. She's just uneducated, you know. Yeah. She she's grown up in this world and without the benefit she of all of that education. So yeah. So he has to explain like, you know, words to her <laughs> that are above a few syllables. Yeah. Oh wow, another Alan Moore fantasy where a man tells a woman what to do. I know. <laughs> I know. And then like later in the book. I mean, I we can do spoilers here, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Um, I just said V dies. Yeah. All right. Um, so later in the book, Evie, we f- we think is arrested and uh, tortured um, repeatedly, and there's you know like a rat in her cell, and first she's really bothered by it, and then she's not, but she gets this letter from Valerie. And that's like the one kind of saving grace that kind of like helps her through it. Mm-hmm. And they want to know more about her relationship with this V character and she won't tell them. And th- we don't even know how long this has gone on. This has gone on for probably a couple of months. Um, and they, you know, they shave her head and like she feels like she was examined by a doctor or something like that. And then she thinks it's a, a woman. Yes. And then. Uh, See? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. I've read this so much that I'm, and we'll talk about, we are talking about the important themes, but for me, I've read it so much that this is like, I'm down to this now. It's like if you've seen your favorite movie 25 times and now you're like, I'm just going to look at all the shoes that people are wearing in this movie. <laughs> uh, that's, I'm down to like the last thing that I have not figured out is who right. he is. And there isn't necessarily any way to know, but I'm still kind of obsessed with that. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so they they basically have a sign a, a statement that they had made up for her and they're like you need to sign this otherwise we're going to take you out back behind the chemical shed and shoot you and she's like I'm not going to sign it and she refuses and they're they're like okay well I guess that's it then I guess you're free and she's like what and she turns around and like the door was left open and she goes out and there's like a soldier on like wheels <laughs> And and then she goes into the room where she was interrogated and like there's a rat in a cage. <laughs> we, yeah, and then there's there's like a guy who has there's like a speaker box like on his chest, but like he's another mannequin. Right. Um, and and then finally she gets to this one room and V's in it and he's like, "Welcome home." And she's like, "What? What?" You got punk. She's like, you... Ashton Kutcher, you're V? Yeah, she's like, you tortured me this entire time? And she's so mad. And I, I you can't blame her for being upset. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anybody would be upset in that situation. And she's just so pissed at him. And it's like he more or less said that he had to have her go through that to be... So she could, like, understand him more or something like that. Yeah, it's a... It's a brutal, uh, emotional rape, basically. It is. And V is not a good guy. No, and he's not apologetic. No, he's, and Alan Moore has said, like, I just, you know, I wrote it that way. I wanted him, I didn't want to tell the audience what to think. I just wanted to tell them to think. So he does a lot of things to divorce you from the morality of V's actions. Like, V's not a hero, and he wouldn't call himself a hero. No. Uh, but it's it is yeah it is horrible, but it serves to. It's kind of like if Captain America thought he was gonna die and he kidnapped somebody and injected them with super soldier serum and then su- subjected them to a yes. vita ray treatment. <laughs> he basically restages his origin story in yes. order to make another him. This is true. Which um, is. You want to talk about like ideology? You want to talk about like brainwashing and the kind of things that go on in a, a Christo-fascistic state? Yes, uh, we got a little bit of that going on on the other side. Yeah, we do. <laughs> he and radicalizes then, her basically. Yeah, and then he's like, 
he takes her out on the roof and like is like you know feel the rain you know blah blah blah, blah and like and did the frame and, and thought there was a rat in the cell yes uh and like uh it, it, it's almost as if like the night like when he escaped the concentration camp he was <laughs> like and, <laughs> and like he was like naked and it was raining and then what was see, the like, Shawshank Redemption written that's a good question. I don't know the I think answer. That was late seventies, right? Okay. I think he's got them beat on that. But okay. Sorry, you go ahead. Um, so it's like she's experiencing being naked in the rain too, and like she kind of like calms down after that, and is like eighty-two. Rita Hayworth's hair, or whatever the novella was called. Oh, Rita okay. Hayworth in the Shawshank Sean, Redemption. Eighty-two. Wow. Mm, photo finish. Yeah, I gotta say, <laughs> you're right about that. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's um, it's probably the best. It's probably the most uh, well-known sort of sequence from the book, mm-hmm. um, recreated stunningly in the Wachowski brothers produced V for Vendetta film from two thousand and five, which we did not watch, which I will never watch. Yeah. Uh, when should I tell my story about that? Uh, you can tell it now. If you I'm want. going to tell it now. Okay. I was okay. So we were everybody was on board with the Wachowskis at this point, still, right? Yes. And so. They, with the best intent, uh, created this film adaptation, which just does not and doesn't could not exist, doesn't need to exist, should have never been made. But mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah. Uh, and they so they made it, went to the film. I think I was out in the first five minutes. Okay. Because in the first five minutes, there is a scene that it's much like. Um, it, it it all starts the same basically. Sure. So. Um, Queen Amidala is, uh, yeah. is Evie. Right. And she's watching the TV, you know, while she's putting her horror makeup on or whatever. Right. And immediately the TV's like saying something, you know, Christo fascistic, you know, like, oh, you puppets or whatever. And she's like, that's enough of that. Thank you. And it's like, oh, they made her like tough and like self aware. Immediately you ruin that character. Yeah. Because that's the whole book is her journey to self awareness. <laughs> so you've right. already wrecked that. And then when she goes out and she gets grabbed by the fingermen and V comes in and kills them all. And he, in doing so, he gives this long ass, stupid monologue where every word starts with a V that everybody who likes this movie loves that monologue. But he's like, verily, the veritas of vine vineyards and vaccines. Wow. <laughs> and it's just like, <gasps> and at that point I was like, I'm good. Tell you what, I was there with my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, I'm going to turn the volume down on my PSP. Yes, it, it was a Sony PSP. What was <laughs> going on then? And I'm just going to play some video games and you just tell me if, if you want to go at any point. Uh, she was really mad because <laughs> she wanted to watch a movie. Uh, when it reached in my pocket, no PSP. No. I was like, wait a minute, what? So I just got up and left the theater and went to the car. It was parked outside. I combed through the car, couldn't find the PSP. This is... Um, the theater and my job were fairly close to each other in the same city. So I just got in the car and just drove to work, you know, at like 9 p.m. Oh and gosh. went in and searched my desk, searched all over for the PSP. You know, all the, all this time, my girlfriend's watching this horrible, horrible movie. Couldn't find it. Eventually realized, I think that the cleaning people just probably took it. Really? I don't want to blame anybody for anything, but I left it on my desk, you know, and then oh, they were just no. like, oh, okay, take that. Because I checked the lost and found later and it wasn't there and so on and so forth and so yeah psp gone so ruined one of my favorite (laughs) novels yeah lost my psp girlfriend's mad at me it was like a very bad night in my young life yeah 
Yeah, not great. Let me tell you my League of Extraordinary Gentlemen oh, story. No. Yeah? Do you have one? Uh, so anyway, if you ever watch <laughs> this movie, let me know what you think. I'd be very interested in your opinion. Okay. Well, if it's ever on TV and I don't have anything else to do, maybe. <laughs> yeah, is it ever on TV? I don't know. It feels like one that no, FX would play this a lot or something. They probably right. did after it came out. Um, what do you think about the, um, is this a word, intertextuality? <laughs> That's probably not what we're looking for. What did you think about the varying storytelling techniques, I guess is what I wanted to say. Because at one point, there's the story switches to singing what's going yeah. on. Um, it's I very it was, uh, three penny. Yeah, very three penny. I thought it was interesting. Um, I, I think that particular part of the story. Well, I think book two is called Vicious Cabaret. The Vicious Cabaret. Um, so I thought that that was interesting that we had the music part. I. I can't really read music, so it's not like I could hear it in my head. Oh yeah, but I, I haven't sat down and played it or anything. I'm sure you can find a YouTube video or somebody. I'm done sure. That. I'm sure. Um, but I, it, it kind of rhymed. Uh, there were a lot of V words in it. Um, yeah. Well. I know. Uh, but I, I thought it was a, a clever way to move the story forward. Um, <laughs> I could barely hear that praise for its faintness. Oh, well. <laughs> not, not interested. Um, All right, that's, that no, was the question I, I asked. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, maybe he's a little Phantom of the Opera-y, you know. Uh, with his <laughs> storytelling. Yeah, Phantom of the Opera was didn't have good intentions. You know what I mean? He just wanted th this chick that he was spying on in a dressing room. It's kind of gross when you think about it. It is. It's, <laughs> it's really uh, kind of awful when you think about it. Yeah, Angel indeed. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I love that. That's one of the things I love about Moore's works. Speaking of Three Penny, uh, I think it's the... Which book is it? One of the books of um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the comic, not the movie. Yes. Uh, is just basically is three penny opera. Musical, okay. Um, Jenny Diver is like one of the characters. Is like one of the main characters. Um, he takes all these characters, you know, from literature and stuff like yes. that. And so that one's. I'm assuming no copyright on that one, right? Right. So yeah, so Pirate Jenny is becomes. Um, is like the daughter of uh, Nemo, Captain Nemo. Okay, sure. Uh, and then later on becomes Captain Nemo herself. And it does involve her being brutally raped. So I guess, uh, uh, I'm sorry, love, death, and robots. Yeah. You were just following the master. Yeah. Uh, it's a complicated uh, relationship between Alan Moore and, uh, and rape in his fiction. Yeah. But um, nobody gets raped in this. No. Uh, there's also another, just to go off the whole German thing, there's a preponderance of scenes that are set in this cabaret-esque club yes. you know there's uh -huh. shades of a christopher isherwood type thing going on yeah where they kind of go in and out of this club and we see the character that probably gets the worst in the entire book but the wife of um almond who's yes. like um one of the gestapo men basically yeah who's killed by v without a thought and yeah good riddance like he's horribly he abusive, like terrible person yeah and v just offs him but then we see the effect on his wife like yes. his wife loses her government pension because of that she has no support then she kind of saddles up to uh, or sidles up to this other guy who's a horrible person but she just needs somebody to like support her support her because you can't make any money in this horrible world yeah that guy is killed by v <laughs> and so now she's down to just basically 
being a burlesque girl and doing yes. who knows what, you know, uh, off stage. Yes. And she decides to buy a gun. <laughs> yeah. Which is always a good good start. Yep. And ends up actually like killing like Susan, like the leader. Yeah. Which is something that like V there's V could not have even planned that. No. But we start to see the kind of effects of the chaos um, of the land of, you know, <laughs> shoot somebody in the face. Right. <laughs> whatever whatever the uh, enchanted woodland uh, we're in at this point before we get to do as you please. Right. Uh, so he couldn't have even planned that. In fact, you think he's already um, the whole computer uh, computer. The whole society runs off of this computer called Fate, which is like a supercomputer, which that and like these superpowers, which are just being like the be- fastest, best fighter, I guess. Right. Are the only real like science fiction elements here. Yeah. But he's hacked somehow <laughs> he's created yeah. his own supercomputer and has hacked uh, fate and is using that to drive Susan insane and you have to think at some point he's gonna try to kill him or do something yes but he just gets shot in the face yeah. by what's her name yes so it worked out great right that's like this is probably an effect of it going from being like a weekly series or in uh, or a monthly series in warrior to being published specifically by vertigo is that I feel like the second, the third act is weak. Oh, I feel uh, like it, it falls yeah, off. The longer it goes on, the more kind of disjointed it gets. Well, because we mean, start to get like, you know, we get the the one lady who's the wife of the one guy or whatever. She's sort of like trying to move up. You know, she's trying to like we're going to take over this right. Thing. So she's the manipulating. Wife of, was she the wife of Conrad or she's yeah, yeah. dating Conrad or? something uh and so she's not a real strong character she's just kind of there for no good reason and yeah and like i like when finch goes to the camp and he takes uh lsd it's lysergic and he's like is this enough takes like a whole bottle it's like whoa boy i know right and so he has this you know he trips balls and sort of imagines like this whole thing that happened he also is kind of in his own way recreating V's origin story yes. and becoming a V himself. Right. You know? There's a lot of Vita rays going around. Right. And so he has this experience. Like, I like that part too, but then he just kind of walks away at the end. That's yes. like the last image. It's just, he's just walking away. Just yep. walking away. It's like, what? Yeah, I, I do agree with you. I do think that the third book is the weakest. I mean, in the first book, we see V taking uh, uh, revenge on all of the people in the camp uh yeah. and so that's like a big part of his plan in the second one it's largely evie hammond being tortured we find out later by v yeah <laughs> and then the third one is just kind of like wrapping up all the loose ends so it's just it's it's not as strong yeah um, stories have that problem sometimes yeah they do um you know where do you where do you go when uh, your your female lead has been tortured and all this stuff, <laughs> it's kind of the <laughs> it's kind of the emotional climax. I mean, yeah. where do you go after that? Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, she ends up staying with V. So is, is it is it out of necessity? Has she forgiven him? Is it uh, kind of um, what do you call it when you like Stockholm syndrome? Yeah, thank you. Stockholm syndrome, like maybe, but I think that of all the all, all the falsehoods and deception, I think help to emphasize the veracity 
and virtue of the vicissitudes uh, of Valerie's letter. Like she realizes, all right, you know, this was all fake and manufactured and, but this really does happen to people. Before this, I was just a kid and I was just trying to survive and I just like kind of live and let live. Mm -hmm. But I realized that this, you know, beautiful, wonderful person was just ground down and destroyed by this thing. And so if that's the, you know, if these are the butterflies being broken on the wheel and V and people like V and now me, Evie, you know, survived that crushing, then it's up to us to stop this machine from going. Right. And so I think that she hangs around for that reason. But she, her principles don't change mm-hmm. because we don't know who V was before or what kind of person he was, but he has no compunctions like taking lives. Like he will kill no. anybody in his way. And Evie won't kill anybody. Right. Although I'd have to imagine that if you blow up 10 Downing Street, somebody's going to die. I, right. <laughs> but yeah. she's, but her way is like, she refuses to do it that way. And I think that, I think that it's noble and telling for V that he accepts that. He isn't like, doesn't give her some speech about how like, you think you can, th- Thomas Paine, you got to water the tree of liberty with blood. Like right. he doesn't say anything like that. He's just like, okay, that's fine. That's, that's the way we're going to go forward. Good. Right. Like, uh, you know, Someday I, I'm a monster and I will be gone and then hopefully, you know, you won't need people like me. So Right. Negged her a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the significance of Guy Fox? Do people know Guy Fox? Um Yeah. Um so Guy Fox wasn't he he was a real guy. I think he's a hacker, right? Stop it. Yeah. Um yeah, he's a real guy. Uh he was a papist, and he wanted to blow up the House of Parliament, Parliament. Uh, because he didn't like um, government, and he didn't like um, the Anglican, um, you know, Puritan government at the time, and so he became this figure where they they remember the fifth of November and the and the gunpowder plot. Yes, but he's also thanks in most part to this, he's become this figure, you know, of rebellion. Even though it seems like he was kind of a screw up, but uh, he's become this, you know, figure that's like. Uh, is a message to the people in power to, you know, you know, watch it. You know, remember, right. you're, you work for us, that right. kind of thing. And something like this, um, you know, could happen. We could don't, rebel. Don't they, like, burn, like... Effigies. Effigies yeah. to mm-hmm. him? Yeah. Yep. Um, now he's got a fedora and he's uh, going after Scientology. Yeah, great. Which, all right. Uh, right. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's become commoditized. I think yeah. that th- that mask... You know, sells thousands and thousands of copies yeah. every year. He's become the Che Guevara kind of, of yes. Che Guevara T-shirt of right. rebellion. But yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks a lot. It's good to, to rebel. Still, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Anything else that you want to say that you haven't said? Um. Well, I mean, the mask is very distinctive. Does so do we know? Did he really look like that? Did he have? Um. Uh, like think, facial hair like that? Yeah, I think it, his name was Guido, technically. And so I think that that design of that mask was meant to ridicule aspects of him that I'm now not culturally relevant and I don't understand. Okay. But it does seem like he was a like a cavalier, you know, with the mustache and all that. And so he's just like a look a, a certain way. It'd be like, yeah, three musketeer. Yeah, right. It'd be like, um, you know, if you burned the, the Monopoly guy yeah uncle okay. money bags or whatever you yeah. know he's got a top hat he's got a monocle right. all these things a tech billionaire now doesn't look like that he's got right. a, a, a mega haircut you know and like a, right. and a turtleneck or whatever but we still get that it's like oh it's a little timey rich for money bags. yeah 
Teapot Dome right. scandal. Right. Yeah. So it's it, it has some semiotic significance. I just I don't get it because I didn't live in Puritan England. Right. Okay. Right. They should change. You want to update uh, Guy Fox? Fox? Should we update him? Yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> Is he gonna be uh, gonna have a hacker? Got Google Glass? Oh my God! It's got a got a neck beard. Oh no! Right, just just the neck part. Oh, it's awful. Little little uh, jawline definition, you know. Get, get that beard down there. It's wearing glasses for sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Remember, uh, remember. Uh, the fifth of November. <laughs> oh man. Um, would you recommend this? Yeah, absolutely I would. Um, it had been on my to-read list for a really long time, so I'm glad we got a chance to read it for the show. Yeah, I would um, undoubtedly. Uh, it's a seminal work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so much more important <laughs> than ever to read this yeah. and to know about it. I mean, we didn't even, not a political show, but we didn't even talk about the the, the eerie parallels of p- well, characters saying that they want to make Britain great again. I was just going to say that. And, and yeah. that was written like how many years ago? And way before. For a guy who was younger and had a lot more, a lot fewer crappy Hollywood adaptations of his work, uh, even more was optimistic that things were going to turn around. And instead we got the last half or the last quarter of the 20th century right. that we did. Uh, and we're still in it, feels like, mm-hmm. uh, going forward now. And so... Even for a guy who thought, oh, nobody's going to take this seriously. This is a lark. Right. Uh, boy, <laughs> like it's just, it's really important to yeah. to read, uh, you know, what's what's possible, what we we can do, you know, if we become like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah for, yeah. for that reason, I think it's so important to read. Yeah. Looks I good on too. your shelf, too. <laughs> All those hacker babes go, oh, this guy's a V for Vendetta. Oh, my gosh. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that we finally got to read that. That was really great. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I would, like I said, I would recommend it. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it by clicking through some of the links that we'll put in the show notes for this stuff. Yeah. When you make those purchases on Amazon with our links, a percentage of that comes back to us at no extra cost to you. Keeps the lights on here and keeps us in Guy Fox masks. I'm just yeah, swimming in them like yeah. Scrooge McDuck, yes. who himself was designed by Carl Barks, probably, to look like... A Monopoly guy, right? Oh, sure. To look like the image of wealth. Yes. I can't wait for the DuckTales redesign where Scrooge has got weird beard, blue <laughs> <Google> glass, <laughs> he's got a turtleneck. Oh he's my taking gosh. you to the forefront of the upfront. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right, let's get into our talk with Jeremy Stomberg. Uh, I had a really great time talking to Jeremy, and I definitely want to have him for real on the Trek show at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, he was uh, great talking to him about the Minnesota Roller Girls, about the history of roller derby, uh, also his connection with first wrestling and wrestling. Um, promotions you know be they independent or major mm-hmm. and the fact that all of this is kind of like a sports entertainment kind of thing sure and just the rise of that in the uh the, that last quarter of the 20th century but also its roots going back um 
fascinating. It's not something that I think about a lot, but it's really interesting to hear him talk about that. And that's it. That'll just run off the end of this show. So we'll just wrap up where we're at now. Uh, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Just Enough Trope to look for more information than what we're posting and talking about. You can also find our show on many of the various podcatchers that you can get out there. Mm-hmm. Search for Just Enough Trope. And that's our show. Uh, subscribe to the show when you see it. It's the best way to get it. It keeps you up to date and also give us a review and a rating if you would because yes. that really does help us out and we want to hear what you're thinking about, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So to that end, give us five Guy Fawkes Fox masks. Yes. Guy, say that five times it's fast. It's a tongue twister. Yes, to add to my swimming pool full yes. of Guy Fawkes masks. Yes. Uh, they break sometimes. They do. Uh, I've severely lacerated uh, myself, but it would just <laughs> get it all wrapped up, go to the doctor, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, so give us five stars so I don't have to cut myself anymore. Uh, yes. Here's our interview uh, with Jeremy, and that's it. Until we talk next time on our next show, uh, I'm signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikanha. Keep the geek fires burning. I know that you are uh, an announcer for the Minnesota Roller Girls mm-hmm. and for First Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me about how you got involved with that? Yes, I can. Sure. I used to go to this uh, film festival down in Texas, down in Austin, Texas, every year, and uh, made some uh, some friends down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where uh, the modern uh, flat track roller derby started. Okay. And uh, these friends said, "Oh, yeah, you got to come down. You got to check this out. I think it's just you know, you know right up your alley." And whenever I would would visit, it would be you know kind of like. A week on the wrong side of the month, you know, just to m- <laughs> miss it. Uh, and uh, and then when one uh, started up here, I just uh, we we bought tickets uh, at the uh, the old uh, Robot Love store. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, we showed up, and we were the first people in line up at uh, Cheapskate in Coon Rapids. Sure. And uh, there were people that were just like carrying boxes of of gear, and they're like, uh, you know, not even all the skaters are here yet. <laughs> so we <laughs> went across the street to uh, to a Dairy Queen and had some food and some some shakes, and came back, and we were still first in line. Sure. And uh, we just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, we went, you know, the, the whole first two years, and then uh, one of their original announcers uh, had to uh, step away because he worked in Antarctica. <laughs> uh, wow yeah yeah and they have this weird kind of i think it's like four months on the ice six months off or something like that it's it's a, it's, it's not a a, a, a a direct like year schedule like you're not going there for five months and then seven months off sure or something like that you're is like, this like a research position i don't know what he does is he a penguin wrangler i don't know <laughs> i've i've only i only actually met him once and uh, uh, Stutter and Frank Kozlowski. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He could be, uh, you know, like a, a cook in the thing. or oh, I, okay. I, I don't know. Yeah, he, sure. he, or he could be, you know, the head of uh, uh, Operation Paperclip or something. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. All right. Um, the better. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I... Some uh, basically, I, I didn't. Uh, we'd made we either made or we made friends with, or we already had known uh, a number of the people that were that were on the league by then, and uh, they I guess had announced at a, at a league meeting that they were looking for a new announcer, and uh, I got like I don't know about seven 
calls and texts within like a five minute period of <laughs> okay, a right. friend saying, "Oh, you should try out for this." So You've been I, nominated. Yeah, so I tried out for it, and I uh, the first run through, I totally screwed the pooch, and I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm never gonna do this. Is never gonna work." And uh, <laughs> one of the one of the skaters, uh, uh, Lydia Punch, had uh, had seen me do stuff at a uh, at scooter rallies just hosting you uh-huh. know it's kind of like live host. I've, I've never you know been able to you know really shied away from a, a crowd i've never had stage <laughs> fright or anything like that sure so i uh she's like oh no he's you know i think he's just he's just flustered you should give him a chance i've seen him he, he does good stuff <laughs> and so they put me through the second one and uh, i ended up doing well enough for them to say hey let's do this and i've been doing that for 13 years how does the audition for that sort of work? Like, are you doing like a rehearsal? Or it was something like a that? whole or practice. Uh, kind of. You. It was just at a practice. It uh-huh. was. It was at a regular, uh, um, regular night's practice, and there were, at the time, man, there were. It was a lot of excitement about it back then. There were, um, I'd say, there were probably about sixteen people that were that were trying out for this. Okay. And they just kind of randomly put two people together. <laughs> sure. And okay. had us had us call two jams. Okay. And. Uh, the, yeah, and then they they just did some cuts, and then some people moved on to the second one, and then they did some cuts, and uh, that last one we sat in with the uh, the other uh, remaining announcer, mm. and uh, Scotty Cruz, and <laughs> and we did a uh, a couple jams that way, and they made the, they huddled off and they made their decision. So. Okay. And this whole time, people are, are just skating around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Okay. laughs> uh, and it, yeah, it was it was really strange because it was the first time I'd done something in a in a room that big, and uh, it's the Roy Wilkins Auditorium, the old uh, St. Paul Auditorium downtown St. Paul, sure, uh, which is a, a big room. Um, and the delay between the time that you say something mm-hmm. on the mic and the time that it gets back to you mm-hmm. will really mess with you yeah. the first time until you uh, until you get into it. Um, we ended up getting, you know, later on, we got a monitor next to us so we could actually hear what we were saying as we were saying it That's as good. opposed to waiting. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I did that for, uh, for 13 years, uh, coming up on my last, uh, my last two, uh, events, uh, in uh, March and April. Okay. Uh, I don't know when this is, uh, being, well, <laughs> this I'm is going out. Either, so. But yeah. Uh, so you, you have a couple chances to see me or you just miss me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been doing it for 13 years. Uh, last year, my wife said that she had about two or three years left in her. Uh, she's a skater. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, then I have one year left in me, so I can uh, just be a partisan fan for a couple of seasons. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I just remember being a fan of roller derby a long, long time ago, like in the mid to late 80s when the wrestling boom was starting. It lifted a lot of other sports entertainment boats, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I remember seeing... I don't know what it was. Um, roller Jam or Roller Jam or, yeah, yeah right, yeah, 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 something like that and seeing it on TV. How has Roller Derby evolved since those kind of early days? Well, it's real now. So. Oh, it's real. It's <laughs> yeah, not just it's not, uh, sports yeah. entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, originally, Roller Derby started in Chicago, and the whole idea was that it was a a uh, skating marathon across the United States. Mm. So, you know, like a 3,000-mile uh, skating marathon, and it was teams. Mm-hmm. And some teams would, you know, skate for a while, and they'd pass it off to the next team, and whichever team skated three thousand miles Jeez. first. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was in the old uh, was it the old Cicero Stadium? No, no, I can't remember the name of the stadium, but uh, yeah, downtown Chicago, uh, it was huge. Yeah, 
and uh, then it got to be more of a there got to be some rules to it. People liked it. Uh, uh, Leo Seltzer, the uh, the uh, person who came up with it and, mm-hmm. and, and bankrolled it uh, for a lot of years, he uh, he noticed that people really really dug it when people would hit each other. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, they uh, came up with a rule set. Where you're, you know, getting points by making laps around folks sure. and uh, hitting people and doing crazy stuff, <laughs> and yeah, eventually it was uh, predetermined, like uh, like pro wrestling. Yeah, and uh, you'd have um, you'd have teams uh, that would basically uh, ride around the country in buses, and you'd have a team from New York or a team from L.A., mm-hmm. and then you'd have another team, and that team was the hometown team of wherever they were going. Okay. So there was a Minneapolis team or a Minnesota team. I can't remember the, the, the name of the, the, the team that played at the uh, little Minneapolis Auditorium, um, which is now the Minneapolis Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, uh, but yeah, it was just, if they were in Chicago, they were the Chicago team. If they were in Sheboygan, they would be the Sheboygan team. <laughs> okay, sure. And uh, yeah, uh, just... <laughs> predetermined games like that and uh, it, it went uh, kind of well into the the 60s and I think early 70s is when it, it pretty much died out entirely and then uh, then around yeah uh, mid late 80s when all that kind of crazy stuff was coming out like the like American Gladiators yeah. and WWE WWF at the time was 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 just huge uh, yeah I think it was was it on TNT or TBS one of those Turner stations I think maybe that did uh, that did a roller games, roller jam, all these different things. Right. Uh, they wore um, roller blades, which were you know the new hotness. Yeah. Right. Right. And there was you know the you, you kind of there was a wall you get skid yeah. up down, and there was yeah. an alligator pit. There was like a literally an alligator right. pit, like uh, <laughs> like a view to a kill, you know, jumping. <laughs> yeah. James Bond. Yeah. And uh, and that went for a while, and that eventually died off, and. Uh, then in uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, around about the turn of the century, uh, some folks got together and created uh, created some some derbs, and uh, like any good uh, volunteer organization, uh, people didn't get along and it split into two. Okay, all right. And those uh, sure. those two organizations are still around today: the um, Texas Roller Girls and the Texas Lone Star Roller Girls. Uh, one is a bank track team. Uh, so like old school sure. bank track, and uh, one is a, a flat, track flat track league, and uh, the flat track really took off because it is much easier to uh, to tape out an oval on mm-hmm. a floor mm-hmm. than get a you know thirty thousand dollar plywood and steel uh, bank track, sure, and have to not only have to to purchase the track but also have a place to set it up, have a place to store it if you don't have a permanent. Uh, if you don't have a permanent home, yeah. um, it's a lot bigger than a wrestling ring. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly is. And uh, yeah, so so there are, yeah, I'd say maybe six uh, bank track leagues still operating in the country. I think. Um, do they interact? Like, do yeah. the roller girls like travel to their yeah. sort of yeah, territory? Yeah, yeah. There's a um, LA had the the battle on the bank. Hmm. Uh, uh, tournament every year texas had 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 one uh but yeah when you're limited to that few number of uh of teams it kind of get can get stale (laughs) yeah yeah so uh flat track is really the one that that took off Mm -hmm. and there are 
just in uh, Wufta, the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, there are, what, 400 or so uh, leagues around the world. Mm-hmm. And then there are other uh, smaller organizations as well, uh, like USARS and MAID and um, kind of unaffiliated stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, uh, Minnesota was one of the, the first, uh, I think the first 10 uh and uh, learned directly from the original uh, leagues down in Texas. Sure. There's a lot of money behind uh, like soccer now mm-hmm. in America. Do you ever see somebody just trying to back like a like a national sort of organized promotion for roller derby? There have been a couple uh, folks that have uh, have tried, but I think it's not necessarily a problem because it's 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 part of the inherent DIYness of it all. Yeah. Uh, is the fact that there's no real owner of it sure you know there are there are a bunch of uh different organizations some are 501c3s mm-hmm. some are llc's uh some are just a bunch of people that get together and skate and don't have insurance you know <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and there are there's not i think a, a problem and this is just you know i'm not i don't want to tell you know, skaters how to run their business, but I think that there's the, a main problem is there's a lot of people that just don't, they can't agree on anything. Um, mm. I mean, they can't. There's a lot of folks that they, people have been saying, oh well, you know, we're not a real sport until we're in the Olympics. And I was like, no, well, <laughs> not really, because there's plenty of plenty of real sports that aren't in the Olympics, and plenty and, that are, like ping pong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and the the. the and plus, the the whole IOC is extremely corrupt, and and you don't want to get involved yeah. in that. And um, and there's a there's a, a good sized contingent that that think, and I can totally see their their point of view that ceding any control of it to uh, to an outside group, yeah, is uh, kind of uh, is kind of betraying the uh, the kind of indie ethos of it. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, yeah, there have been folks that have tried to set stuff up, uh, but no one has succeeded. Yeah, um, I think, I think somebody, uh, I think somebody could, if they wanted, you know, uh, who's that dude that uh, in the '60s wanted to set up Hialai as the new, you know, sport and just. Had I remember a, that from Mad Men. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or there's 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 a, a, a there's a, a, a family I can't remember their names who are starting up a new uh, uh, wrestling promotion to compete with huh. uh, WB and they just have tons of money behind them and if if somebody could figure out a way to keep uh, the skaters that have kept this thing uh, going for the past nearly 20 years mm-hmm. uh, involved in the decision-making aspect of it yeah. and not make any gross choices about about sponsors or mm-hmm. other um, things that you have to uh, you have to uh, um, you have to connect with you have to uh, you have to have as part of a a large uh, a large group like that they could mm-hmm. yeah I don't know it's I think it's possible. It'd be extremely difficult, uh, and the I think there needs to be another there needs to be another whippet out there for people <laughs> to get 
for people to get the yeah. excitement going again because that we was... could do a sequel to Whip It. It's about time. Yeah, or just <laughs> or an entirely different movie that had that had Derby as a as a either as a focus or as just kind of a a, a big part of it. Yeah, um, that was. Uh, that was so great for just about every league, yeah. just doubling, tripling attendance. Hmm. Uh, in the post-Whippet world, we sold out Roy a couple times, yeah. and uh, we were very close to having the the you know world record for number of spectators at a roller derby yeah. <laughs> uh, about. But uh, literally that same that same night, uh, the Rat City Roller Girls in Seattle had moved into uh, the the Key Arena. Uh, yeah, the, the old uh, Supersonics arena. Yeah, and uh, and they had been able to fit more people in oh, wow. there than we could fit into yeah. ours. Yeah, what's uh, Drew Barrymore up to? <laughs> It'd be a shame to see it. I mean, you know, go go corporate. What does that even mean? But yeah. to see it lose its character, mm-hmm. like you said, of sort of an outsider type thing. But it's just like it's like ECW. You mm-hmm. know, as a wrestling promotion, like yeah. they sort of set themselves up as not the main thing right but then every business's goal is to become big enough to be bought by the main thing mm-hmm. i guess in order to be successful so or at least compete with them and put them out of business yeah you know that's and the, that's the dream and that's you know the the main you know in my opinion the main problem with with wwe is they don't have someone to compete with like yeah. as 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 gross as a lot of the the stuff was on in the attitude era and the monday night wars uh the whole idea that there were two massive organizations that were, you know, they had their competing shows on at exactly the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they were trying to outdo each other cause, and make people, you know, people would leave during the commercial and check, right, out, flip and over check out to the other, the other channel, on. USA to TNT. Yeah. And, uh, and they were trying to make sure that there was something going on on that, on that channel, on the other channel that – they wouldn't want to turn back. Right. And so when uh, Vince McMahon bought uh, WCW and brought it in as part of WWE, uh, it was, I don't want to say the death knell, because it's, it's still extremely popular and makes makes a lot of money, but for a lot of folks, it seemed, uh, it, it, it felt like they weren't uh, they weren't trying anymore, mm-hmm. uh, trying as hard to, to entertain. And stories got stale, and the... Uh, the talent was not as the characters weren't as as exciting, mm-hmm. and that's why uh, I'm just a much bigger fan of, of indie wrestling because mm-hmm. it's anywhere any anytime when you are trying your damnedest to uh, to just entertain every single night because you know that you're trying to win people's hard earned entertainment dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, you have to you have to give them your best show every night mm-hmm. and uh you don't have a, a go-home show you have a you have to put on something that that makes people want to buy tickets for your your next event yeah and i mean like not to toot our own horn with first wrestling but you know we sold out first avenue you know two nights in a row oh. um in 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 january and then our our show our, we Put tickets on sale for our uh, our uh, March show uh, with one person on the poster, and then we just every few days we were adding an additional person. Mm-hmm. And what was cool about this this thing that we're doing next uh, next week, the twenty first of uh, of March, whenever you're listening to this, <laughs> is 
that uh, we're going to is that it's the only people that we've advertised are women. Okay. And we're trying to we're not saying this is a women's wrestling event. There, mm-hmm. it's not just going to be women. But the idea that our idea was that we we're gonna we're gonna try and see what we can do, and if people are going to if we put out a a a, a, a product that people love, people enjoy. Um, it's not, it doesn't matter who is booked, mm-hmm. and they know they're going to have a really good time. And the fact that we can give a lot of really um, high end uh, women wrestlers um, opportunity to be on a, a stage like that mm-hmm. is is pretty cool. Um, and I don't know, it's uh, it's like something we talk about all the time is is how can we how you know how can the next show be even better? Yeah. Because yeah. we're trying, you know, we do get people saying, "Oh man, that last show was the best you've ever done." It's like, "Oh crap!" Now we have to do <laughs> no. It's, it's like, oh, now we got to do better. <laughs> the dedication of wrestlers is just crazy to me. I mean, oh my just like any business or you know show business, like mm-hmm. you you want to get big. We'd love to be the Rock, but the fact that people go out there, like house shows, blow me away. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like big promotions still do them, it's one thing to do the Swanton Bomb or something like that when you're going to be on primetime TV. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they just go and do it in God knows where, you know, Idaho or something yeah. like that and put their bodies on the line and they just want to give that show. It's it's much different than a comedian who's like, I just want to go out there and just make some people laugh, get up in front of 12 people. But the people who go out and just put their bodies on the line and yeah. it, it's amazing. Like it's it's so much, people call it fake, but there's nothing really fake about it. Right. Like they're entertainers. It's a live action stunt show. Exactly, with yeah. A, with a little soap opera element. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully a good soap opera. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> so when you're you're an announcer for yeah. Sir Wrestling, um, and you're doing play-by-play for um, for Roller Girls, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but the wrestling thing is more just like and in this ring corner. Announcer, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, ring announcer. Um, I do the uh, uh, the intro videos. Uh, oh, okay. That we uh, that we put on the big screens before beforehand. Um, but yeah, no, that's that was uh, because so. Uh, wrestling uh, years ago, there was uh, there was a, a wrestling school in uh, the the far northwest suburbs, uh, Hassan Township, which I don't even think exists anymore. I think it's part of Rogers or maybe Maple Grove. <laughs> right. Uh, but there was a, a wrestling school called MPW up there, Midwest Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. and uh, part uh, it was it was it was really neat because as a part of of the curriculum um, at all wrestling. Uh, uh, schools you're not just learning how to uh take bumps you're not learning how to uh do the all these moves Mm -hmm. but you're also learning how to create and develop a character that Mm -hmm. will get over with the crowd either in a good way you're you're, you know john cena right or a bad way you're john cena well you know know, you're a good guy you're a bad guy you're a a face or a heel Mm -hmm. and uh so what they did is every sunday night they had a live wrestling show mm. as part of the school. Sure. And they'd have their most, you know, it's, it was mostly students, but there were also some just regular working indie wrestlers that would come up. And it was like $2 or something ridiculous oh. like that. Okay. And uh, there was a crew, uh, uh, some friends of mine and I, who it was between three and eight people that came up from the Twin Cities every single Sunday. Really? And just went to went to these shows, and we got to know uh, a number of the the wrestlers and commentators and, and folks like that. 
and uh, then eventually uh, Eric Cannon, uh, the anarchist Eric Cannon, <laughs> uh, he started uh, doing shows down at uh, at First Avenue. Okay, uh, a couple uh, companies had done it before he did, but he uh, really kind of uh, figured it out. You know, he figured out how to make not just a uh, a random wrestling show work, but a wrestling show that people would continue to come back for and we would go to those and have a good time and uh in late 2012 he uh he called me up and said hey i got a i got a question for you let's meet uh and have dinner so uh we got together and he said he was putting together this thing and it was gonna be awesome and he wanted me to be the the ring announcer, and I said absolutely. <laughs> so he put he put together this show called Wrestlepalooza that we do right. uh, every uh, January and June at uh, at First Avenue Nightclub, the the club from Purple Rain, <laughs> right? Uh, where we put a ring in the middle of the dance floor, and there's a little uh, uh, there's a little bridge that goes from the stage to the ring, and uh, the entrance ramp is really the center of the center of the stage. Uh, and we have pro wrestling, most of most of the uh, mostly the uh, the faster, high flying lucha libre style mm-hmm. uh, pro wrestling, and we have a band, usually a punk band, okay. and burlesque, uh, sure. all in one big super show. And it's like, there's a show yeah. in LA that's like Lucha Vivoom or something. Yeah, it sounds like there's that. that. There's uh, there's one in um, there's one in Denver, uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs. Oh, okay. There's yeah, it's I don't know who did it first. But uh, I think I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we do it best. Sure, fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, so it's it's like one of those because I I'm I go and I, I self promote all the time. I say, like, hey, come to my show, blah blah blah. And when I said I was doing wrestling, people were like, I don't know, I'm not a big. It's like, okay, okay. <laughs> so we have we have wrestling, yes, but we also have a band and we have burlesque. Sure, now, everybody I know likes yeah. at least one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Most people. Well, like two of those things, and the really cool people, like all <laughs> right. three, yeah, and uh, yeah, for those it was it was fun because like for those that didn't know about or ha- or had a, a negative or a neutral opinion about the other about you know one or the other uh, different items in the show, seeing those performances in the show, um, I think has been really good for for all the bands. They sell lots of merch, sell lots of records. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the uh, the burlesque community, uh, who get more people to their shows, mm-hmm. uh, and of course for for wrestling, um, and it's yeah, it's just been super fun, and uh, it's it's a, a a whole different experience from roller derby, but also very similar. Mm. So, <laughs> and for live wrestling, it's like it's like a live band. Like it, mm-hmm. there's a whole performance element to it. You're not just listening, you know, to a CD. So even if you yeah. think of wrestling as like crotch chops and elbow drops or yeah. whatever, like you're experiencing a totally different thing. Have you ever been part of a storyline as the announcer? Yeah. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever, you ever take a bump? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had a, a feud with with the aforementioned Mr. Huge, Playboy Pete Huge, <laughs> uh, that uh, just started. Um, at the first WrestleMania or WrestlePalooza, when he came out and just while well, I was introducing him, he just came up and slapped me. <laughs> he didn't plan for it or anything. He just did, and uh, 
And then back backstage, he goes, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I was just in the moment. I was like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, the second one, he said, all right, I'm going to, this time I'm going to haul off and hit you. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, knocked me out of the ring. Uh, and this woman who uh, really thought it was far too real was, uh, was like pulling me up, trying to get me out of there. <laughs> uh, it uh, moved up and eventually I, I took his finisher uh, in the ring. And uh, that was that was awful. Not from the actual uh, the actual move, but uh, in the uh, the uh, planning for it, the uh, practicing how to to fall yeah. flat and turn your head. And I just I, I went to the chiropractor for like three months oh, yeah. <laughs> after that. Just my neck was 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 not. In a, Did in you wear shape. a brace like the next time? No, you no, oh, I should have. I should have. That would have been, been great. That would have been great. <laughs> uh, and then eventually it, it culminated in uh, uh, him wanting to beat me up and uh, me talking back to him and uh him kind of getting me in a corner until uh, we did kind of a crossover, and my wife uh, came up in her derby shirt <laughs> and uh, and attacked him, threw him into a corner, and then got a helmet from the crowd, a roller derby helmet from the crowd, and oh, awesome. <laughs> clocked him with that. Uh, so that was the yeah. So that was super fun. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 fun, but it's it is it's a. Uh, I have a lot more respect for for each and every one of those folks who 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 do it on a regular basis, just because, you know, you look at it and you think, oh, that it, it, it's kind of springy. It's like it's not really springy. Yeah, it's, fall it's, down forty times and see how you feel yeah, about it. It's like uh, <laughs> two by eights. You yeah, know, and then there's some foam padding that's about an inch thick mm-hmm. uh, on top of that, and uh, then some canvas on top of that. So it's not. You have to, you know, it, it's it's very much like roller derby. Learning learning uh, wrestling, uh, the first thing you learn is how to fall, mm-hmm. how to fall safely, how to fall effectively. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it. I would I would do more, uh, maybe if I were still in my twenties, <laughs> but I'm not. Uh, I'm not decidedly not anymore. Right. Uh, so I feel I I totally feel it uh, after. I do, uh, I do anything stupid, mm-hmm. uh, like you know we you know, we have a there's a brawl in the ring and I jump in with the refs to try and pull people <laughs> apart and I right. I take an elbow in the accidental elbow in the gut and uh, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, whenever I talk to local nerdy people uh, I like to talk about what they're into like yeah. we're doing right now but I also like to talk about convergence yeah. uh, and I know I saw you at convergence last yeah. year how long have you been going to convergence uh, I was one of the founders of convergence oh really yeah tell me more about that like your just your history with with the show uh, I went to uh, a, a local convention uh, called minicon it was a big big convention well I say big now but it it uh, is it at its highest really is dwarfed by uh, convergence mm-hmm. at, at its highest um, that uh, started in the late 60s and uh, it was Easter weekend um, and uh, I went for, for quite a while and eventually in in the year what was the year? It was uh, 90, 1997 I think it was mm-hmm. they uh, 
they said, all right, we're going to, next year is not going to be this big. We're going to focus only on uh, literary and fandom and, you know, literary fandom. Uh, and other conventions might want to do this and might want to do other stuff, but we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was dumb. <laughs> and like you can only do when you are in your very early 20s. Right. <laughs> you uh, get together with a bunch of people that you'd never met before and say, well, we're just going to do this better. Right. And uh, I don't know if we did it better. We did it differently. Yeah. And uh, precisely zero of us in charge uh, had ever run a convention before uh i think maybe one two one or two of us had been uh had been heads of departments mm-hmm. at conventions before mm-hmm. uh it just kind of and i think that was that actually helped a lot because we weren't stuck in well this is how it's always been done we had no idea how it had always been done because we'd never done it before right. yeah yeah <laughs> uh so the idea was just to have a a large science fiction convention where it was uh, there wasn't a there wasn't a real focus other than the fact that hey this is vaguely science fictiony let's do this right um, in fact one of, one of the things that I like about it is I I consider I, I said that I would consider it a failure if I didn't actively hate at least a quarter of the panels that were going on. Okay. And at least a quarter of the people that were there. Sure. And not and it's partly that I'm just a, a big misanthrope, but it's also that that there's, you know, how boring would it be if everything had to be just for me? Yeah. You know, there's yeah. other people with other with other interests and you know, it, it's it's even you know difficult nowadays when there's tons of stuff that I'm completely uninterested right. in that takes place. <laughs> now at, it's fifty percent. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it still can be difficult uh, now that I just uh, you know attend mostly. Yeah, if I, there there could be three or four different panels going on at the same time that I want to go to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just because there's because there are a lot, there is a lot of stuff going on, and yeah. thank goodness I hate a lot of things because otherwise I'd. <laughs> yeah. be pulled in a million more directions. <laughs> That's one of the reasons that I love the show so much is that there's literally something for everybody. Yeah. And when I go, like, uh, you know, I'm representing my show a lot, but I'm also going to panels and seeing creators and stuff like that. And then there's just, like, kids running around in cosplay mm-hmm. and they're just going to parties yeah. and they're staying up all night and they're having fun and I don't even know if they go to panels. <laughs> and the, the old part of me is like, these kids should learn something. But at the same time, it's like, who cares? They're just, everybody's having fun. And there's a dance room that I hear booming every night, yeah. but I'm too scared to go into. And there's, yeah, yeah there's just so many things did to do. Did you go last year? Did yeah. you, did, to see Information Society at no, least? No, that's, that's the same uh, thing because I, I was actually doing late night panels and uh, so we just kept hearing them but we didn't get to go. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I I like music, but I don't like it enough to uh, go to concerts. I mean, yeah. like it, it's cool that I can go to you know to Wrestlepalooza and see and see bands that I really like there. Yeah, um, you know, I've seen Dillinger Four twice there, mm. uh, and they're you know just kind of like the biggest uh, like you know post 80s punk to come out of the twin cities ever and they, they played all over the world and they you know they're uh they're my age or maybe a couple of years older and they're not playing as many shows but they come to this because they have a great time and they put on a, a really fun show for people uh 
seeing Mike Micklin, seeing uh, Prof, uh, Lipstick Homicide, uh, all these like little punk bands and 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 rap groups that are they're just it's stuff that I wouldn't necessarily go to, but I get to I get to see. And uh, yeah. same thing with Derby. There's uh, we have a halftime band uh, play, and it could be like a polka band, and they're fun. Or we could there's uh, uh, we had like this uh, this big like horny like horn like you know horny. Hornsy, horn filled, horn filled, <laughs> sure. uh, uh, soul group, and we've had like uh, an all girl Clash cover band, and we had one of the, the School of Rock, uh, you know, as a kids playing, sure, um, uh, a Neil Diamond uh, cover band, an ELO cover band. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah, they're called ELNO. They're fantastic, uh, but that you know that kind of gets my my music. Uh, uh, interest as much as it is well hopefully uh we're gonna do another uh live show uh for enterprising individuals uh, this year at convergence ah, cool. and um we're gonna do so the theme of the show of the entire show is um reboots so we're okay. gonna talk about uh star trek 2009 yeah kind of in like a self-punishing way oh i love it oh do you like star trek 2009 yeah i do i i like it more now that there's like discoveries on tv Mm -hmm. and we're kind of moving forward like if that was all trek was going to be oh now that it's just this kind of like fun little detour you know and there will be more trek i'm like i can appreciate it now yeah two good movies that came out yeah right yeah (laughs) uh but as long as it's just like okay this is a fun kind of different jj abrams way to look at it Mm -hmm. um well, let's uh, let's get you going here. Okay. Uh, let's let's send you off. So, tell people where they can find you online. Uh, well, you can find me on uh, the interwebs. Uh, either let's see, let's see. Uh, the old Instagram is John Dot Maddening. Uh, the uh, the Twitters is John Maddening, and on Facebook it is Yes That John Maddening. Yes, or, that John Maddening. Yes That John Maddening. Uh, and then also. Uh, uh, next week i believe it's going up next week uh 20th i believe again i don't know when this is <laughs> it's probably up now just look sure. uh my teenage nephew and i uh have uh started our own uh podcast here uh called generation bond because he and i are exactly 25 years apart uh-huh. and uh he had only ever seen the daniel craig uh bond oh, movies okay so we're going through uh oh. in order oh that sounds uh, so good and uh just kind of getting what his reaction is to them but also uh kind of how old is he uh he's 19 19 okay so uh (laughs) that's great yeah so he you know he grew up in a different time with different social mores and uh and the idea of watching of watching a character like that evolve quickly over the course of like a year of of watching all, all all of the films um and kind of get his idea of what he thinks the film is about just from the title and from the poster. Yeah. And <laughs> Would you see. believe a man walks on crocodile heads? <laughs> There's a slide Strap whistle in, in this one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and then um, also it's it's uh, a bit about uh, the kind of collective experience of watching movies uh, with family. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we have we have folks uh, from various backgrounds on the show and talk about uh, uh, their experience of watching movies with family. Uh, we're recording our uh, Goldfinger episode uh, this weekend, Great. Uh, in which uh, one of the the guests is uh, a uh, a member of uh, the U.S. military, <laughs> and uh, uh, according to her husband, she really hates it when people get 
things wrong about the army. Oh, okay. Uh, tactics and, uh, sure. and uh, weaponry and, and How to uniforms guard and everything. And... And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing yeah. her complain about the army in, uh, in Goldfinger. Uh, so that's called Generation Bond, and you'll be able to look for that uh, on, you know, on, on the Facebookies and stuff like that. Sure, sure. And uh, yeah. And people should look online too for uh, for Roller Girls and yeah, for uh, uh, First Wrestling. Yeah, uh, Minnesota Roller Girls are at mnrollergirls.com or uh, at mnrg on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then First Wrestling is you can just find that by searching F One RST on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Sure. Um, and just uh, kind of keep your ear to the ground. We have. Uh, uh, multiple shows at First Avenue every year and at the uh, Lindale uh, VFW. Okay. Uh, and then we're traveling around and doing things in other cities and other states. And But it's a good show. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you.